Thank you for joining us on the Anchor Conversations podcast, where we are bringing your Sunday into your weekday. Our goal is to invite you into the conversation that's happening when we're preaching on Sunday mornings by giving you an opportunity to ask questions and to continue to interact with the text through this podcast. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Anchor Conversations podcast. A nice normal start this week that I just ruined by mentioning it's a nice normal start. Yeah, it was a, <laughs> it was a very good first sentence. The The second half of that sentence was a little rough. Yeah, well, hey, um, how was your <laughs> how was your Super Bowl? Oh, it was good. I was I was um, I was really rooting for the Taylor Swifts and um, the Swifties is what yeah, we're called. Yeah, it's what you're called. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I was glad the Taylor Swifts won. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like, uh, I, you know, I'm not a 49ers fan um, because of, you know, I've followed the Cardinals for a while and they're just, they're kind of rivals, you know, and I, so I, I'm never really rooting Whoa. for the 49ers. I found myself. Hold, hold on, I've, hold on, hold on. I'm not going to let you say that and just go past it. Okay. Both, both teams have to win in order to be considered rivals. <laughs> true. When only one team does all the winning, they're not really rivals. <laughs> well, that's, tr- that's true. Um, but there, there was a season there, there was a few seasons there where they were competitive. So, so you had some <laughs> of that, but they, you know, they play each other twice a year in the same division. Yeah. So, you know, division. you're, you're divisional rivals, but, um, but yeah, I, so I, I couldn't really root for the 49ers. I found myself just hoping it was going to be a good game. You know, I, I like Bro- Bro- uh, Brock Purdy. Um, so I was going to like hoping for him to do well. And then obviously Brandon Ayuk went to ASU um, where I graduated from. So I was like, all right, well, I'm, I'm excited about that. But all being said, I found myself at the end of the day, just really wanting Taylor Swift to win the Super Bowl, And, and she did. So yeah, she did. So yeah. It, was, it was good. What about you? Well, it was, it was a good time. Yeah. And I only asked that because, well, a people come here for all of their sports analysis. Well, yeah. So, you know, I mean, of course. of course they do. Uh, two things for their, um, for their, uh, education and learning how to start podcasts and yes. for their sports analysis. Yeah. So I wanted to ask for that reason and B because you and I have watched the Super Bowl together for the last four years. And uh, I know. So it was kind of weird to not watch it with you and Aaron. I know it's true. <laughs> and, and it, you know, I, I think a couple of years ago, just full, full disclosure on everybody. Uh, we usually did our pastor's retreat the weekend of the Super Bowl. Um, it started to collide with, um, Valentine's day. And so we thought, well, maybe we shouldn't be doing this anymore. And our, our boys are getting older, but, but two years ago, um, not, not the last time we watched, but the one before the Super Bowl finished and, uh, we were getting ready to, to hang out and do something. And, and the masked singer came on and I just like, I didn't know, I'd never watched that show before. And I was like the masked singer, what, what in the world is this? And I was invested. I got, I was like 10 minutes in going, dude, th- this show is really good. And I, I've been made fun of for that um, multiple times since then. That's the only time I've ever watched The Masked uh, Singer. That's really hard to say, Masked Singer. Um, and uh, But I'll tell you what, that hour-long Masked Singer that I watched uh, was, man, it was really good. Um, and so, Well, I hope it was worth it because your credibility has still not been restored. Uh, oh, that's okay. I don't. I don't have a ton of credibility anyway. So I mean, it's it's fine. I mean, whatever whatever I felt like I lost, it you know, it was it was marginal at best. So um, you know, we gotta figure it out. But anyway, uh, the masked singer, everybody, if you've not seen it, 
Um, it is a sight to behold. Yes, that's one of those shows where you think, you see the title, The Masked Singer, and you're like, first of all, what could the premise of this show be? It's a singing competition with judges and everybody's wearing masks. So you're like, what is this? And then, and then you're watching it and you're thinking, who, like, who was it that pitched this and thought of this idea? And everyone went, ooh, that sounds like a really good idea. It's a little bit like, I think there's a new show I saw a commercial for that has to do with, it's it's famous people's relatives that are singing and the judges have to guess who the relative famous person is. <laughs> it's the same kind of thought. It's like, uh, I don't understand. <sighs> like, what are we, what are we doing? Like, what are we going for here? I don't, I don't understand. And you know, for sure, like with the masked singer, it's the same thing. They're all kind of like C list celebrities that are kind of on there, you know, few um, things. I, there's few things that indict our culture more uh, than <laughs> the mass singer. <laughs> Can you imagine? Can you imagine if, um, if there are aliens at some point, we decide, okay, there's aliens. This isn't a theology, everybody. This is just a. This is just one of those things you think about, and they come down and they turn on the masked singer to try and figure out what our <laughs> culture is like. Like that's all that they get to see. They somehow can. They somehow through a satellite can pick up the masked singer, and they're like, all right, we we think we know what the world is about. You know, this Earth planet. And then they come down here and that's what they're assuming it is, is the masked singer. What they're going <laughs> to say is they're going to say, we thought there was other intelligence out there, but we were wrong. <laughs> but we were wrong. <laughs> it's, it's so good. Well, I actually you wonder... know, the, the interesting thing about the masked singer is, uh, uh, as I pull off a wonderful transition here, is you only get a small picture, uh, a piece of the picture, just their voice. A zoom? A zoom. <laughs> <laughs> a pixel if you will you only get a pixel of the exactly. picture mm, i see that that's good <laughs> so you come here for how to do introductions um for podcasts you come here for your sports analysis and you come here for tra your transition um learning that's kind of what you come in come here on, for. i could have really nailed that tra transition if i didn't laugh all the way through <laughs> but i that's, could hold it together. that's true i would have i would have thought you were really serious and then you just gone off this, <laughs> this weird tangent yeah that is weird though i mean in all seriousness it is weird how it is almost like just seeing a pixel yeah i wonder which, where you're going i wonder where you're going with this no one knows no one knows where <laughs> i'm going which is the art of a great transition <laughs> mm, yeah good job, yeah. Good job. <laughs> Well, let's get into the discussion on uh, on Ruth chapter one verses six through twenty two, as we're alluding to uh, beautifully and and subtly, seamlessly, <laughs> if you will. Nobody, seamlessly. nobody, nobody would have even would have even guessed that that was the transition. And let me just say to everybody, if you're listening to this, like that that was off the cuff. I didn't know that that was that that was coming. I had no idea that that's something that Tyler was going to do. He didn't even write that down. Everyone legitimately he just, just happened and uh, you just need to know that's you should everybody should say wow that's amazing that he just well they came. had to believe that how would i have known that you would out yourself as a mass singer uh aficionado right here <laughs> i watched on one live i watched recording. one one hour show of it by the way if you've watched the mass singer, singer let us know i'd love to actually hear on sunday if you've watched it you got to come up and you got to give me some masked singer like what am i looking for if i watch this show again i want to know anyway um pixels small we only see in part got it you're looking for masks and singing um when you watch that show but yes uh we we often only see one pixel of god's full picture 
um, your big idea from this week. And um, yeah, as we continued on in the book of Ruth, which um, unlike the mass singer is an artistic masterpiece. Yeah. Um, mm. uh, but similarly to the max <laughs> mass singer <laughs> has great depth. That's not apparent on the surface. <laughs> Got it. Uh, sorry. <laughs> You can you can you can cut all this out. <laughs> oh no, I'm keeping it. I'm keeping it <laughs> because I I know that people are just gonna laugh at us. I was having lunch today with Zeke. Shout out to Zeke. And uh, one of the things that he mentioned about the podcast that he enjoys is just laughing at us. <laughs> Good. And, um, well, that's know, kind I... of the that's part of the point. That's part of the point of this whole first five minutes. Um, is just so that you guys can laugh at us. So that's that's good. It is. Um, all right. Well, let's jump into the discussion here because we had a question that was texted in. So thank you for um texting in. Actually, we had a comment too that was texted in. Let me hit that first. Uh, so the Barry family um texted in and said that uh the Ruth story is top ten in the Adventures of Odyssey. So uh mm, okay, that's something that you listen to apparently. I've, I'm not familiar with it, yeah. but Avengers and Odyssey was like a it was like a radio um kind of program, a Christian radio program that was kind of big in the I'm guessing the 90s, maybe early aughts. Is that we call it 2000s? Um sometime around there, probably the probably the 90s. Um it was a little after my time, but I think a lot of a lot of people did listen to Adventures and Odyssey. Um it was okay. like a radio drama. So there you go. Shout out to the berries and shout out to uh, yeah. the Ruth story and adventures and Odyssey. Um, but we did have a question that was texted in as well, which is uh, how does it reflect on the narrative that Naomi is welcomed back to the community, even if she doesn't accept the welcome, but deflects it in her sorrow. So this is, I probably should have introed it better, but the, where we're at in Ruth, um, you know, uh, Naomi is coming back to um Bethlehem from the land of Moab and Ruth comes with her. Orpah goes um, back to her people in Moab. And uh, when Naomi arrives, the the uh, town is um, perhaps excited to see her. We're not sure. It says the local women exclaimed, can, can this be Naomi? And um, she's like, yeah, but don't call me that. Call me Mara because God has dealt with me uh, bitterly. So um, this person texts in, how does it reflect on the narrative? that Naomi is welcomed back to the community, even if she doesn't accept the welcome, but deflects it in her sorrow. Yeah. I'm, I'm assuming, I'm assuming as I kind of read that question, I'm, I'm kind of making an assumption here that what, what specifically uh, the question is alluding to is what is it, what does it mean in the narrative um, as she's kind of coming back and she's feeling bitter that the community that she left in Bethlehem is welcoming her back. Even, even if she's kind of like, you know, Hey, stop calling me that. Um, that's not me. I'm bitter. The Lord's been against me, but even though the Lord's been against her, the community that she left is, is still willing to, to welcome her back in. I, that's kind of what I'm making an assumption that that's what the question is kind of alluding to. If not, please let me know. Um, whoever put the send this question in, let, let me know or, or send another question in. So I would just say, you know, I, I, I think that, um, from, from a whole narrative perspective, I think where it can maybe play, play a part is that, um, you know, even, even as she left and maybe, maybe they judged her for leaving, I don't know, but when she came back, they, 
they were kind to her. Um, they seem to be kind. I mean, we don't know that for sure. Maybe they were mocking her. I don't, I don't know, but it seems like, it seems like they were like, Hey, this is Naomi. And then obviously she was, she was, you know, allowed to be, be there. And, you know, they knew who she was in this time period, you know, the, especially in Israel here, um, a lot of these kind of cities like this and towns, people would have been uh, related either by blood or by essentially, if you think about like Scottish clan, so it would have been very much like, hey, this is a clan. They're, they're together. There's something about this. We're going to see that actually with Elimelech and Boaz because this was Boaz was Elimelech's uh, relative. And it's not necessarily blood, blood relative. It's clan membership. So there's something about there's, there's this connected piece that he's connected with Elimelech. It could be by blood, but for sure it's by this, this uh, connected piece. He's not related. The point is he's not related to Ruth. There's nothing... You know, Ruth would, I mean, I mean, um, I'm sorry, Naomi, Naomi would have been there. Um, definitely not by blood. Um, that's what enables him to become the redeemer. And there's something about that as, as we go, but, you know, I do think that, you know, the kindness of them to bring her back in, I can, I can see that there being some, some relation, um, relationship there. You know, I, I do think it brings up one other point, Tyler, that we will talk about in a little bit in terms of perspective, but I do think that when we're reading narratives like this, you know, and, and if you're out there, you're trying to read along with Ruth, um, read Ruth along with us. You know, one of the things that's helpful in reading narratives, um, and one of the things that's going to help us to avoid finding a pixelized version of even our own story is to read the narrative as it's written. So it's, it's meant to be read right now from the point of view of Naomi, because she's the, you know, she began the story. Um, that's her family left Israel and, um, and we're going to see her at the very end as well. So it's really, it's a story about God's kindness to Naomi. But if we only see it as God working in Naomi's life, it can actually lead to us having a pixelized version of what God's doing in this story. Because let me just give an example. What if the story was about Ruth? So if the story was about Ruth, then our perspective is different because God's at work in Ruth's life outside of the land of Israel. And he brings a, a people named Elimelech and Naomi and two sons to where she is. And the, the Elimelech dies and the sons need to marry and they find Ruth. And, and through circumstances where they, you know, Naomi brings Ruth back to Israel where she's, she becomes, a, a, you know, essentially a, she, even though she's a Moabite woman, she's a part of the people of, of God at this point, And she marries Boaz and she's a part of the line of the Messiah. Or what if the what if the story was about Boaz? You know, Boaz is a single man. He's he seems to be somewhat wealthy. He owns a field or a part of a field, and um, he doesn't really have any prospects for marriage, and and so there's no line or lineage. But God um, is working on him to have him in a spot where he, when this woman comes, that God brings to him or that comes to him, um, he marries her and he redeems her and. So I think I think one of the things that can help us is to just not not realize to realize that it's this story, it's not just involving one person. You know, when we deal with our own story, one of the things that will pixelize us, that will get us to be so focused, is to look around and go, "This is all about me. God is God is against me. God is doing something against me. God is punishing me." But yet we we can't look around and go, "Well, wait a second. In circumstances, as I look around, what are the evidences of kindness? And what is God doing in every everybody's life around me? Like God's at work. God's at work in Tyler's life, in my life. He's in the work in your life. He's doing a million different things that we can't see. 
Um, and so the story isn't just about Naomi, although that's the focus right now. It's also going to be about Ruth and about Boaz and about David and about Jesus ultimately. Um, and there's just, God's just weaving a story line together um, as we go forward. So anyway, thinking about the people bring her in is, is helpful because I do think it, it helps us to see just different perspectives of it. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah. And, and I just like to see how, you know, as you, as you read the narrative and, and the, the old Testament is like this in a lot of places, well, the whole Bible is this way, but um, just the realness of it, you know, I, I think Naomi responds in a way that you know, maybe you wouldn't expect where, you know, you might expect her to come home and, and say, Hey, I'm here, you know, um, welcome me back. Haven't you missed me? Or it's so good to see you or whatever. And yeah. Naomi just comes back as she is like, listen, yeah. I I'm wrecked. I, I, I'm coming back empty handed. Um, and, and I appreciate that about the book. I appreciate that about the Psalms as well. There, there's mm-hmm. just a lot there where you go, man, if we were really, take off our um like Jesus God Bible uh everything is good and happy hat and just go well let me enter into the story and, and receive it as it is you go wow this is this is how to hurt <laughs> you know uh and mm-hmm. and God's so okay with that that it's it's in his his word um, yeah and and I would say it's it really is a I mean the whole Bible, if we if we have the lenses of God's faithful love to us, His steadfast love. So again, His name, the Lord, you know, a God's um, merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That word steadfast love is a really, really loaded Old Testament word used. Uh, it's used a lot. Whenever you see steadfast love, it's a very specific word, and it refers to. It's a Hebrew word. It's a Hesed word. It, it actually means God's unwavering, committed, never failing. No matter what happens, He is for you, with you. Um, he will not be against you. He is. He is acting on your behalf. Kind of love. That's what it means. He's. That's. It's. It's a very loaded, good Old Testament word. Whenever you see steadfast love, or in the CSB, as we read this past week, was faithful love. It's a. There's faithfulness you know, that he is there. So if we read this accounting that way too, even towards Naomi, it changes as opposed to God being a punishing disciplinarian, you know, as a, you know, that's different than one who's saying, this is a, this is my love towards you is even, even impatience. I was just reading a book the other day. What if, what if Naomi and Elimelech chose to leave Israel and remember like, like the prodigal story, they, they left the land of promise. They went out there And it wasn't that God was angry with them. It wasn't that he was ticked at them that they left. Maybe what happened was, um, you know, the Lord numbers our days, the Psalms tell us. So Elimelech and and the sons would have died in any way. They they died in their time and they would have died in Israel and, and she would have been surrounded by people that loved her. But because they left, she's left alone with Ruth and Orpah. And that's, you know, that's obviously God ordained and Ruth comes back and is a part of the Davidic line. Um, but, but what if, what if the reason that God, you know, that was 10 years, I mean, a long time to be gone, maybe God's just really patient and God's not going to be pushy in what he does. And circumstantially, as you leave the land, circumstances are going to, are going to be what they are. Like you go out there and you go, okay, this is tough out here. You know, we're, we're in different, there's different gods over here and the Moabites and what in the world's going on. And, 
the blessing is coming back to Israel with the famines going away. God remembered his people. And, and so as they come back, it's more about God saying, you know, Naomi, there, there's going to be a time where you remember um, where the blessing is. And when you come back, man, there is going to be an amazing amount of blessing for you, but I'm not pushy. I'm not going to push you. I'm going to be patient. I and mean, that, that actually tracks with Jesus in the, in the gospels. When you think about Mark, when we went through Mark, Peter, he's so patient. Couldn't, couldn't he have just said, Peter, when it comes time to it, stay away from the, the crucifixion scene, stay away from this trial. Don't even come near here because you're going to regret it. He, he could have said that because said, please don't even come by. I'd much rather have you be somewhere else, but he doesn't. He allows Peter for three years to walk a road with him, seeing his weaknesses, his flaws, recognizing what's going to happen. He denies him. You know, Peter denies Jesus in that courtyard and Jesus just patiently just waits, you know, and when he sees him back and he tells him, Hey, make sure Peter comes. And when when he sees him, there's a reunion and there's just, there's just patience. Like I see that in the scriptures. Um, there's the patience of the Lord towards the people of God, that he is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness to a hundred. No, I think it says a thousand generations, I think is what it says in Exodus. So I think that when we have that perspective, it, it, it does change us a little bit. I think, I think it can adjust us and how we think, even think about the narrative itself. Yeah. So let's talk more about, um, yeah, that perspective shifts, um, because as we think about, you know, zooming out to see God's fuller picture of what he's up to, um, and I think your, yeah, your live it out point encouraged us to do that, to look not, not just at the one pixel, pixel, but in light of the whole picture, that can be really hard to do, um, you know, especially when you're, you're really in the midst of, you know, a long-standing trial or something really difficult, that can just be hard to do. Um, to your point about God's patience, I don't think he expects or um, clearly doesn't typically uh, move in such a way where that happens quickly. Um, so it is a process. And I think that there's actually a lot to be said even for that process and what God's doing in it. But um, it's difficult to zoom out and see the full picture what are some helps that are available to us to help us to see more of God's picture? So maybe it's uh, not the full picture, but it's a few more pixels that helps us to have more perspective and to to um, see God more fully. So what are some helps available to us to see more of, of God's picture? I think it's I think it's really difficult um, to to do that to see God's full picture and zoom out alone. You know, it's. It's one of those things where if we find ourselves, you know, alone with our own um, thoughts or our own d discouragements or how, how we're thinking about the Lord and we're just so focused um, on ourselves, I think it's going to be really difficult for us to to actually zoom out, which is one of the reasons why I think it was really helpful that Ruth came alongside Naomi. It's just, a, it's just another picture of kindness and she was probably encouraging her and, you know, I don't know if she would have she would have known enough yet of the Lord or his ways or his, the word to, to be able to encourage her with that, but at least with companionship and, and, and who she is. I, I think that that that's the case for us as well. You know, it's almost like, um, if somebody's lost, you know, I, I can't find my way out of somewhere. Um, you know, you could try and you could try and give them directions, but way easier if you just go find them and walk them out, you know? And I, and I think sometimes, 
um, sometimes that's kind of how we need to think about community. You know, there's, there's been times in my, in my community life, even as a pastor where I've been in hard seasons, you know, hard, harder seasons of life. And I've had, you know, I've had people come alongside me and they, they wind up, they wind up almost in a, in an emotional or spiritual way, carrying you along, um, you know, to, to help you see some of the light and, and pull back a little bit and remind you of true things. And, you know, and then, and then you're, it's your turn to do that for others at times. And, you know, I, so I think community really does matter. I think that there's something about that. That's one of the reasons why the Lord gave us the church. I mean, how many one another's love one another, um, you know, weep with, weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. I mean, that kind of thing happens in community. Um, so I, I think that that's one. If, if, if you're trying to zoom out and you're just trying to do that on your own, I think it's going to be difficult. Um, I think community is going to be helpful for you. Um, I think truth, which I think community will remind you of that, but even truth about who God is. I, I remember um, when I was first uh, starting out as a pastor, there was a, an older pastor uh, who who I served alongside. And he would always say in terms of, you know, in times of, of hardship or trouble or people that were walking through difficult things, he would just say, it's really helpful um, to, uh, to think on the things that you know to be true and not to dwell on the things that you don't know to be true. So sometimes we can get into situations that are difficult. We can be really pixelized and we can start thinking, what ifs? I don't know about this. I'm not sure about that. What if this is going to happen? Um, but it's really helpful. One of the things we can, we can zoom out on is let's just say, you know, somebody gets a cancer diagnosis and you're just, you know, or um, perhaps when you start going, what, what happens? I, my kids and I had to think that it's helpful to take a time out and say, Hey, um, let me just remind you of a couple of things. Let's, before we get caught up in these unknowns, let's talk about what we know. Uh, the Lord is good to those who love him. The Lord loves you. Um, he hasn't, he hasn't left you. He promises not to. So let's, let's take a step back. He loves your family. I, I just think to be able to gain some perspective on truth, who is God? What does he promise? What, what are some of these things is helpful? Um, and then um, I think, like I said, I said this earlier, so I, I don't need to belabor it, but seeing, seeing circumstances through the lens of love, you know, of God's love for us. Um, I've been reading through the, reading through a devotional in the song of song of songs and just the, you know, it's about marriage, but it's also in, in a, in a allegorical way, I guess you could say about the relationship that the Lord has with his people and has with you um, and the, and the, the intimacy that he wants to share in terms of just his delighting in his people and how we want to delight in him. And in our, in our pornified culture, we can take that as, Oh, that, you know, that seems kind of weird and sexual. And it's like, well, no, that's because we've distorted certain things. It's never about with the Lord and, and his people. It's never about a sexual thing. Um, we don't want to see that, but what we want to see as more the pursuit and desire and intimacy and delighting in and love for the Lord to us. And if we can see that, and I think if we can grasp that, I think it's going to be really helpful. That book I'm reading is called, um, oh man, what is it? What is that book called? Um, Living as the Beloved um, by a guy named Ted Wiesty, who's actually, Ted's going to come and um, preach at Anchor in May. Um, the beginning of May, I asked him to preach a sermon on the Song of Songs. Um, just to give us an overview. But if you want to read that book, go do it. it as th I think that when we see that kind of thing and we see God working that way towards us, it it changes our perspectives. It allows us to zoom out 
um, as opposed to just staying in because we're so concerned about circumstances. But listen, if you if you know that the God of everything, the God who who ordains everything, who guides everything, who knows everything, who is, you know, who who knows every where every sparrow is, and who has who knows and counts the sand on the seashore, knows every hair on your head, and he knows all those things. If you know that he is not just there, but he's there in absolute love for you and a desire to delight in you and a desire to have a relationship with you where you know his love for you. And if you if you see that, I think it does change perspective. I think it allows us to zoom out and go, okay, I know, I know who the Lord is. I know what he's done and I can I can kind of walk through this and walk it out. One of my kids is wearing glasses now, which I've never had to do. So I don't know what that's like, but uh, we'll be watching uh, like recently you know, this weekend, watching the, f- the football game. And he couldn't, where he was sitting in the room, he couldn't quite see the score clearly. So he ran to put his glasses on so that he could see the, the score clearly. Um, and then he has glasses on for the rest of the game because he knew oh, I'm going to need, I'm going to need perspective to see this like I need to. So, so he has glasses on. And I think that when we talk about, especially that idea of truth and knowing the Lord, it's really important that we keep our glasses on that if we're in a season where we feel like we're seeing the whole picture maybe, or we're not in a a serious trial where, um, where we feel like we're just, you know, just trying to get by or whatever it is a great time at all times to be growing deeper in our knowledge of the Lord in his word. And, and even just another, uh, you know, th- think about community, the broader community of church uh, history and church culture, where we're reading books about who God is from, from some different perspectives or whatever, so that we always have those glasses on and we don't get to the point of going, Oh no, I don't have, I, I can only see a pixel. I need to back up, but I'm stuck here because I'm so overwhelmed well, it's helpful if we're prepared for that. So as yeah. you're talking about that, I just thought about the need to, in some ways, I guess, kind of stay ready. You know, Jesus gives us a lot of those warnings to stay awake, to mm-hmm. stay ready, so that when when things hit us, we've already got our glasses on. We can already see the score. Yeah, we don't know how the game's going to end. We don't know where everything's going, but we don't have to start scrounging around looking for our glasses because we've already we've kept our eyes up and we've kept them on. So as you think yeah. about that, yeah, I wonder if one of the ways it's, that's just a help is just the consistency of reading your Bible regularly. Um, and, and also reading, listening to others, listening to stuff like this, I guess is, is probably somewhat helpful. There's other podcasts that are, that are probably way more helpful, um, than, than us two idiots, but you know, you get the point, like let's take seriously our knowledge of the Lord and continue in that. Um, yeah. d- don't pull back from that. Yeah, you can. I've said this before on Sundays, and I believe it's true. I think we can only trust the Lord as much as we know him. I mean, if you know the Lord to be, you know, as you've read the scriptures and as you've experienced him and in your prayer life, if if your prayer life, you know, exceeds even just asking for things, but maybe you, maybe you sit for a while and just ask, Lord, what what would you, what what do you want me to hear from you? I just, you know, how are we thinking through that? I think if, you know, if our, if we're just getting to know him, reading our Bibles, I don't make it a checklist. Please don't do that. Make it a, I just want to know you, Lord. Like, I want to know the God that loves me. What does that look like? And as you read it, try and take all that in. I think it, I think you're right, Tyler, that we want to, we want to use another metaphor. Maybe we, we don't want to have masks on like singers. We want to, we want to um, make sure that our masks are off so that we can just really, really take that in oh, to gosh. make sure we have that. 
<laughs> How's that? Well, Bring it full circle. That, that was no, that was horrible. Um, <laughs> but actually, one more uh, way, I guess, that we can be maintaining that perspective. I would say the same thing about community. You know, if we're going to only try and jump into community when we're really going through a hard time or feel like we need people, the depth of that community is is just not going to be there. It's not, mm-hmm. not going to be able to catch us. It's going to be like trying to do a cannonball in a puddle Yeah, because it, we, we haven't soaked in the community. There's no depth to it. And so mm-hmm. what's going to happen is we're going to get hurt by others because they're not going to know us well enough to speak into our lives in a way that gives us perspective that's helpful. Um, and, and maybe we're not even going to have anyone around. And by that yeah. point, we're, we're going to be trying to establish community when we're, when we're broken and, and it's, it's just more difficult. So I would say, you know, let's keep our glasses on as we think about the Lord, but also community. Let's not neglect the importance of n- being known and knowing others. Um, in in a deep way so that when we do find ourselves there others can actually give us that perspective uh right on the spot and in the moment and they know you well enough to do so Uh, yeah so that's good and speaking of community let's let's wrap it up on just one last question you you had mentioned how um there's kind of a a ruth a a ruth ish that's really hard to say with braces yeah ruth a a ruth ish uh way to demonstrate community in that we find ruth choosing um to stick with naomi and commit herself to naomi um you know uh oprah as you you, know, you said it wrong earlier you said orpa it's it's oprah <laughs> mm. this is awkward that i have to correct you on that but it's it's, um, it's orpa <laughs> come on man uh you know orpa uh goes back and, and it's so re- hard not to say oprah is, though it's it like is. it doesn't it's like the first time that you try and say chipotle properly you just want to say Chipotle, like what? When the first time I remember no, saying, no, I remember that's saying not Chipotle. True. I remember saying the the first time I said Chipotle, Chipotle, Chipotle. I had to be like, man, that that just does not roll mm. off the tongue. That's just because you're you're pasty and you're from the Midwest. So well, I am pasty. That's, that's all that Midwest. is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's probably that's probably true. Maybe that's just me. That's just my my heritage and background. But totally. for me, it was hard to say Chipotle, as in Orpa. <laughs> it just feels wrong. Anyway, go ahead. Um. So let's just kind of wrap this up talking a little bit more about community. How can we demonstrate that kindness, that love in a Ruthish way at, at Anchor Church? What does that mean for us? Um, I mean, in short, I'll just keep it really short. Um, I think it's I think it's being others minded largely. It's trying to think through how can I serve others? Let, let me give you a maybe one example of how to think through this, but um you know, besides things like come alongside people that are struggling, we, I think we do a really good job of that. I actually think we do a good job of this overall. So then this is a corrective, but when it comes to things like um, serving one another, sometimes, sometimes we can be others minded. Sometimes we can't, sometimes it's very much like, well, this doesn't fit me. Um, but you realize like, you know, there are a lot of people trying to serve in the church and do certain things. And you know, let's take Queen Creek, like Compassion Queen Creek as an example. Like I, maybe, maybe that's something where you go, man, I don't want to do that. That seems like a, something I just don't really want to jump into. Um, well, it, it doesn't cost you anything except for time. And there's people that need to be, that are looking to be served, you know, and people in our church that are, that are eager to, to serve at that as well. And so, um, you know, I know, I know I'm going to be going Friday night to Compassion Queen Creek to try and help set up. Um, I have a, I have a football thing 
with Sunshine Acres kids on Sunday, on Saturday, um, all day. And so I'm going to be at that, but, um, during Saturday, but I'm going to go sit Friday night to help set up. Um, maybe that's something you decide to do. Maybe you jump into a, the setup team at church. Like it's, it is not, you know, is it glamorous to set up at seven 30 in the morning on Sundays? No, because nobody really knows you're not getting a lot of thanks from people. They don't realize you're in the setup team, but what you are doing is you're serving others kids, you're serving others. Other, other people don't have to do it as much because other people are jumping in. So I just think it's being others minded, um, coming alongside each other, finding ways to, to love one another in really specific ways in your huddles and your community groups. Um, that really is what Ruth did. She, she was, she was self-sacrificial. She didn't, she, again, like I said, on, on Sunday, she chose, instead of being a wife, she chose to remain a daughter. That's what she did. And there was no future for her in that. I mean, she had literally no prospects. And so she would have been, she would have been left to a, left to a life. If all things had stayed the same of largely scrounging for food, um, trying to figure out how to make it, you know, she's gleaning in the field. She's just picking up all the stuff that didn't get picked off the, off the stock. She would have gone on the ground and tried to find things. And that would have been her life. Um, if she hadn't been redeemed by Boaz. And so that's, but she was okay with that because she was others minded. And so I would just say that that's kind of how I would think about that. Yeah. The one, uh, the one thing I'll say is, is family. You know, Ruth, Ruth had the choice of treating Naomi as family, which she was, but she was given an out to essentially go join a new family, start a new family, go find a new husband and forget about me. Um, like your sister Oprah did. Um, I'm gonna keep saying it wrong and, on purpose. <laughs> and you, you get this. And you get um, but that was the choice that Ruth had. And you get like, some, you get some kisses, and you get some kisses. That's what you're you saying. You get a kid, and you get a kid. Um, she could have gone and and gotten a new family, and she was given that out by Naomi. Um, but she chose to say, "No, we're family." And and I wonder if that's something for us as we think about that as a church. The Bible talks about the church, the, the redeemed as, as family, being a family, you know, uh, brothers and sisters is the language that Paul uses all the, all the authors in the New Testament when they're writing to the, the, the churches, it's brothers and sisters, it's family. So, yeah. yeah, I would just, I mean, maybe for us just think like, is that, is that how I think about my, my church community? Is that my family um, or, or not? Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's good. That's great. All right. Well, all right, everybody. Looking forward to chapter two of Ruth this week. Read ahead um, if you want. Try and try and get a little bit of a, a glimpse of what we have going on. We have some a, ch- a change in the story. And note this phrase: uh, if your Bible's like mine, and it just so happened that Ruth uh, was in the field of Boaz, because the story of Ruth really is a, in some ways, it's like a romantic comedy, um, which I'm going to talk about this week. And I. And one of the ways that is, is that the writer is, is ironic all the time. So, and it just so happened, this happened, you know, and yeah. you realize, oh, that's, a, that's actually a testament to the Lord working. Um, yeah. And so we want to see that. So yeah, read ahead, read ahead. And hopefully um, it's all clear on Sunday as we go through chapter two. Well, cool. looking forward to it. Thanks. Yep. Thanks everybody. Thank you for taking the time to join us today as we brought your Sunday into your weekday. Our hope and prayer is that you continue pressing into the Lord and applying the Bible to your life as you seek to honor Jesus as King. We'd encourage you to continue this conversation with God 
through reading the word and praying and to continue this conversation with other Christians at your anchor huddles and your anchor communities. We look forward to worshiping King Jesus with you this Sunday and to talking to you again on the podcast next week.